Okay, Liz, here's some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, multiple systems, delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs, you cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems, and you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. So I think I officially have as many collared, bright colored shirts as I need for any amount of Zoom meetings. Nice. Now you have to figure out what the next category of quarantine shopping is. Yes, I think it's going to be summer activities for Jack. Oh, that's good. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Liz. That's me, Liz Craft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In this episode, we're going to talk to, well, an icon. There's no other way to describe her. Dolores Huerta, whose rallying cry, Si Se Puede, was the source for Barack Obama's 2008 Yes We Can campaign slogan, is going to talk to us about activism, civil rights, and resilience. And we have a Hollywood hack that we're stealing from Kate Bowler, host of the podcast Everything Happens. And she's in the Onward Project family now, so it feels okay to steal one of her brilliant insights. I agree. (laughs) But first, an update. Okay, Sarah, you mentioned in the last episode that you did this insane RV trip. (laughs) You and Violet packed up a week's worth of food and drove to Missouri to pick up your stepmom, Anna, who amazingly agreed to come to L.A. and give you some adult backup. Yes. And if you have to travel, an RV is definitely the way to do it right now. But I wanted to take a minute after this trip to just give a shout out to the people who made our trip bearable. Truckers. Okay. So truckers are getting a lot of well-deserved credit right now for what they do. If you look around your house, probably a lot of the stuff you have got there because of truckers. But I want to talk about how they do it. Okay, so I drove 3,500 miles by myself in an RV, and it was grueling. But I am telling you, all of the truckers on the road, they made it so much easier. They are so good at what they do. Like, I had no idea. I think we kind of, as normal car drivers on a normal day, are like, oh, this truck is in the way and blah, blah, blah. Yes. Okay. Right now, most people are not driving. So the truckers own the roads. And they are so 
professional. I couldn't even believe it. The entire trip, I was blown away. They drive on the right, they pass on the left. They go the speed that works for them. They're not jerks about who's in front and who's behind. And they let cars, like when there were cars that were being jerky on the road, they just got over, let the cars go by. It was amazing to see what incredible drivers and what professional drivers they are. So Sarah, big shout out and gold star (laughs) to all the truckers on the road between LA and Missouri. Yes, exactly. And so much respect. Oh my God. Coming up, we talk to Dolores Huerta. But first, this book. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, Sarah, it is time for From the Treadmill Desks Of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, it's resilience. And we are so fortunate to be having this discussion with the iconic labor leader and civil rights activist, Dolores Suerta. Dolores Suerta is the founder and president of the Dolores Suerta Foundation, co-founder of the United Farm Workers. Dolores changed history when she teamed up with Cesar Chavez in 1962 to form the National Farm Workers Association. Although the mission seemed impossible, Dolores led farm workers in a long and grueling battle to get rights, including fair wages and safe working conditions. She's received too many awards to name, including the Presidential Medal of Freedom, the highest civilian award in the United States, bestowed to her by President Obama in 2012. On top of all this, Dolores is the mother of 11 children. Dolores still works tirelessly to provide organizing, training, and resources to rural, low-income communities. On May 30th, the Dolores Huerta Foundation will celebrate Dolores's 90th birthday with a multimedia event. The list of guests include Joe and Jill Biden, Jane Fonda, Eva Longoria, America Ferreira, and so many more. We will link to the information about the celebration in our show notes for this episode at happierinhollywood.com. All proceeds benefit communities impacted by COVID-19. Dolores, thank you so much for joining us. That's my pleasure. Welcome. Hi. So we watched a clip of President Obama giving you the Presidential Medal of Freedom, and he seemed quite intimidated. I believe his words were, Dolores does not play. So we're going to try hard not to waste your time. It's an honor (laughs) to have you here. It sure is. 
So, Dolores, at the time you started your work, the idea that a woman would be a powerful labor leader was unheard of. Even now, many historians believe you're not given nearly the credit you deserve, and we agree. Our question is, when you look at the world now, how much better do you think it is for women, and what do you think we should be doing differently? That is such a great question. And when we think about this COVID-19 crisis that we're going through, and we see that in the countries that have women leaders, like Germany, the people that have been so much better protected than we have been in the United States, where we have a really chauvinist president that really does not respect women in any way, shape, or form, Mm -hmm. even continuing to attack the governor of Michigan, calling her that woman instead of the governor of Michigan. The way he continuously attacks women, especially women leaders like Elizabeth Warren and Hillary Clinton, and we can go on and on. Then, you know, we have to think and we have to reflect and think, yeah, we have come a long way, but oh my gosh, you know, the big glass ceiling is still very, very strong. The glass walls that really prevent women from being able to move up the ladder, that they're still there and they have to be shattered. So we have so much work to do. And it's so important because we know that we, the women, are going to be the leaders of the world. And we have to start really educating our young girls on how to be leaders and not to be afraid, not to be intimidated. I love that. Educate them to be leaders. That is the key. Dolores, we talk about resilience a lot on this podcast, and you embody resilience along with grit, determination, faith. After so many years of pushing the boulder uphill, how do you keep going? Well, because we have to look at all the accomplishments. And one good thing about being 90 years old (laughs) is that I can look back and remember when we had uh, not as many women in colleges as we have today, and when we know that maybe in many of our universities that we have over 50% of the students are women in professions like attorneys and doctors and many other the number of women have increased in those professions that do we look at our Congress today and see how many more women we have at our state legislatures. And we can see that women are, yeah, we are advancing. So that really gives us a lot of hope. And when we think of all of the discriminations and misogyny that women are still suffering, we have to kind of look at the bright side and say, yeah, we are making it, we're getting there. And if we look at the incredible marches that we've had around the Me Too movement, and we see that women are standing up, and especially the young women that are in leadership there on issues of gun violence, on climate change. And I was just on a on a webinar with about our state legislative bills that are going through our Sacramento legislature here in California, and to see that the majority of the people that were reporting and working on different progressive legislation, guess what? The majority were women. Mm. <laughs> and even in our own work that we do with the immigrants and the farm workers community, and when we look at our leaders, we just had, again, we had a Zoom call with many of our leaders, and we had over 50 people representing all of our different chapters that we have. And guess what? 99% were women. Wow. Wow. You sacrificed so much in your fight for labor laws, for civil rights, for women. You even, during a protest of then-presidential candidate George Bush Sr., were beaten by a police officer to the point that your family didn't know if you'd survive. 
you touched on sort of the current state of things. We imagine it's got to be really disheartening to see the current president villainize Mexicans and other immigrants. How do you maintain your faith in the face of just so much hate? Sometimes it feels like we've gotten nowhere. Well, sometimes things have to get a lot worse before they get better. And I think many of the issues that we're discussing right now were kind of, you might say, not really visible. Mm. But now with our current administration, they have been made very, very visible. And sometimes things have to be so visible that then we can start talking about them before people were reluctant to talk about race. I remember when Gloria Steinem, many, many years ago, I think back in the 80s, raised the issue of domestic violence. And I remember the hush, everybody in the room looked at each other and said, what is she doing talking about (laughs) domestic violence in this really classy group of leaders? And now now we know that, yeah, this is a topic that you can talk about. Racism is a a topic that you can talk about. Because unless we really see it very visibly and then we see the manifestations of racism, like somebody traveling several hundred miles to kill Mexicans in El Paso or to kill Jews in Jersey, to kill Muslims or to kill people because they're African-Americans, then we can see the manifestations of racism and how horribly cruel they are. And the people of color, we know it's always been there. The way resources are attributed, the number of people of color that we have in our prison system, including, by the way, something we hardly ever talk about is about the number of women that are now being incarcerated. Our whole criminal justice system, how it affects women and people of color. And most of these issues are really made so, I'm trying to find a word that really kind of describes the horror of these issues and how they affect people. Then we really don't do anything to address them. Mm-hmm. And now they're out there uh, mm-hmm. and uh, they're visible and we know, hey, it's time to do something about this. What I love is that you're clearly an optimist, no matter what comes your way. That's very inspirational. Um, Dolores, I read an article this morning about how white parents in particular need to talk to their kids about race right now. You have 11 children. I have a seven-year-old daughter. Do you have any thoughts on how to open up those conversations with kids? Oh, I have a very simple way that we can solve racism. Well, actually, there's two things that we have to do, and especially when we talk to children, because children, as we know, are not born racist. They are made racist by their parents or the culture that they happen to grow up in. But one really simple way to end racism is to remind everybody, and this is science, is that we are all Africans, because the human race began in Africa, went across the planet, went to Europe, the climate is a lot colder. People, I like to say people kind of lost their color. Now they have to go to the tanning salon or to the beach to get their color back. But in our DNA, we all are Africans. And if we can remember that, that we are one human race, we are all Africans of different shapes and colors. And so when we discriminate against somebody just because of a difference of the color of their skin or the color of their eyes or their hair, actually... We are discriminating against a relative. We are all related. And when I say this, when I speak to schools, and especially when I speak to the little kids, I remember once in Los Angeles in a very high-end school, the children there, it's a private school, and most of the children that go there are the sons and daughters of many of the celebrities. And when I said to them, 
you are all related. The children stood up, ran towards each other, and hugged each other. Mm. It was spontaneous. It was so beautiful. And I think that's the other way that we can get rid of racism is to just include this knowledge of science into our our school system, starting again with pre-K and talk to children about how we are all related. And at the same time, we can talk about how men and women are equal and that women should not be discriminated just because they're women. Start with starting with our girls to give them the self-confidence that they need, starting with our young little boys and to get them to respect women at that early, early age. Dolores, I have a question sort of for our own benefit. Um, Sarah and I are television writers, which means we're in a union, the Writers Guild of America. Our members often radically disagree, and we know you and Cesar Chavez dealt with a lot of conflict. How do you think a union can succeed despite that internal discord? Well, I think we have to keep our eye on the prize uh, and that's and mind disagreements. We're often based on what I call the feminist point of view and mm. the male chauvinist point of view. And I can give you one really, really quick example. When I was doing the great boycott in New York, then on the West Coast also, uh, I started out with the little stores, and I got the independents to take off the grapes, and then I went to the smaller chain stores, and then I went to the bigger chain stores until we got all the stores to take the grapes out. Caesar took on the biggest chain store in California, mm-hmm. Safeway. So after we had already cleaned up the East Coast from Chicago to New York, from upstate and all the way down to Florida, we had cleaned out all of the grapes of the stores using that tactic. Here on the West Coast, Caesar decided to take on the biggest chain. Mm -hmm. And I consider that the difference between the way a woman thinks and the way a man thinks, okay? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And of course, it goes to why we think women, as we started the conversation with, why we need more women leaders doing things the way women do them. But I think the one thing that holds women back is that often we are hold ourselves back uh, because uh, we are often, we don't want to create conflict. And so we give in and we don't really fight for our ideas as often and as strong as we should. Also, to organize other people to support us so that we're not out there just, you know, being the lone ranger out there, but we have somebody with us when we're trying to get our ideas approved and processed. And you have spent your entire life doing that. Can you tell us about the work that you're doing now? Oh, we have so much going on. Right now, of course, we're in the middle of the pandemic. We are working to set up food banks for many of the immigrants, especially the farm workers. Farm workers are essential workers. Often they do not get mentioned in the press mm-hmm. when they talk about essential workers, but mm-hmm. they're working out there every day. You have couples, and so one of the parents has to stay home with the kids because the kids are also not in school, and so they're suffering a loss of half of their income. And often the food banks are open in the mornings when the workers are still at work, so we have to set up food banks in the evening so that they can actually get food in the evening. We've processed several hundred families to get some of the income relief that is being given out in the different areas, partnering with United Way and other organizations. We are helping with the children that are at home at school to get them school books and supplies and things that they needed. We had to fight to make sure that the kids were able to get food during the Easter break in our elementary school area because they were going to stop giving out the school lunches and school breakfasts during that period of time. We're working on the census, so we've been doing that diligently. We started in July of last year, 
in our Hard to Count communities. We've got a huge education program in trying to stop the school-to-prison pipeline. We have an amazing education director. Her name is Cecilia Castro. We organize students and parents and communities to make recommendations at the uh, different school districts. We're active in about 14 different school districts. We have in California a great program called Local Control Funding Formula. Now, school districts are given the money directed by the state, but as part of that, they have to take recommendations from the parents and students in the community for improvements. We have a youth program also. We're active in nine different areas. We have nine different chapters of our organization and growing. So we have so much work. I'm probably leaving something out. Wow. I think I know the answer to this question. We're wondering if your work is still as all-consuming for you as it was when you were younger, or if you can ever relax now. Uh, No, I really can't. And, And in fact, I do a lot of public speaking, which, of course, has now been changed to virtual, to virtual speaking. And just this morning, I did a couple of graduation (laughs) Zooms for people and other remarks for other organizations. So, you know, we're busy on many, many fronts. The great thing is that we have great staff. Camila Chavez, my daughter, is our executive director, and she keeps all the wheels turning. We've got a large staff, actually. We're up to about 40 full-time staff. And we have also 20 part-time staff. And actually, just before COVID-19, we had 120 part-time staff working on the census, going door-to-door, talking to people, reminding them why it was important that they get counted, because everybody that gets counted brings in $2,500 for their families and for their communities, and of course, council representation. So... We're still doing a lot of phone banking on the census because we can't do the door-to-door trying to make sure that our people get counted. So Mm -hmm. many people are afraid because of all of the attacks on the Latinos and the immigrant community that came from the administration. So we actually joined other groups and we sued Mexican-American Legal Defense Fund, and I believe the ACLU were able to beat the Trump administration so that there would not be a citizenship question on the census. Wow. Dolores, you have accomplished an unbelievable amount in your 90 years. When you take a step back and look at your life, what makes you happy? What makes me happy is to see all of the people that are active today, especially women and especially young women. We can't forget the raging grannies, you know, like myself that are still out there doing a lot of work. And that makes me just feel really happy because as an organizer and as an activist, I think the one thing that brings me a lot of joy is when I see so many people that are becoming activists. And if we can somehow convert every person to become an activist at whatever measure of activism that they want to participate in, I think this is a way that we preserve our democracy. This is a way that we can make sure that many of the issues of inequality can be really improved. And finally, we can solve so many of the problems that we have. And even problems, and I do have to throw this in here, problems of resources and the amount of money that we spend on war, for instance. And I love to quote Coretta Scott King, who said, we will never have peace in the world until women take power. Mm -hmm. Uh, We will never have peace in the world until women take power. But I have amended that statement to say we will never have peace in the world until feminists take power, because we know that there are a lot of people (laughs) out there that are men that are also feminists, and we have a lot of women out there, unfortunately, that are not feminists. So we have to continue the organizing until we can have everybody become a feminist and 
stand up for the rights of immigrants and poor people, LGBTQ community, fight for climate change and for labor rights, for union rights, and women's reproductive rights. So we have a lot of work to do. Anyway, that is my passion, is to just keep on organizing people and getting people involved and see the leadership grow in people who never thought they could be activists, that they couldn't make any kind of a change. But once I think people understand that they do have the power to make changes, that is how we can create a better world for everybody. Yes, absolutely. Dolores, we want to wish you a wonderful 90th birthday, and thank you for your continuing work. You're tireless, and we appreciate that. And thank you so much for joining us today. No, you're welcome. Thank you very much for having me on your show. We want to remind everyone to go to our website or to DoloresSuerta.org to learn more about the online event celebrating Dolores' 90th birthday. It will be an amazing evening featuring artists and activists, and all proceeds go to communities impacted by COVID-19. Also, the Dolores Suerta Foundation has a partnership with The Little Market. You can buy a lovely candle and half of the proceeds will go to DHF. We will link to that in the show notes as well. Coming up, a Hollywood hack that will help you stress less. But first, this break. Okay, Liz, it's time for this week's Hollywood hack, which comes from Kate Bowler, host of the podcast Everything Happens. Yes. Gretchen and I talked to Kate in episode 273 of Happier, Mm -hmm. and she had an idea for coping with uncertainty during this time of a global pandemic that really resonated with me. She said that she evaluates the situation every two weeks. So that's the hack. Evaluate the situation every two weeks and act accordingly. And don't worry in between. So if you're wondering, am I going to go to the grocery store or only get my groceries delivered? Am I going to have a socially distanced play date or not? All those questions that we're all dealing with, Kate thinks about them every two weeks, looks at all the information, makes a choice, and then just doesn't worry about it for two weeks. And I love this idea because I find myself just like torturing myself over these questions And it's draining. Right. Like, when are you going to go to a restaurant? Yeah, exactly. Right. And if you don't have to think about it for two weeks, you can just release it. Yes. And then in two weeks, you see, okay, where are we? What are the doctors saying? What are the statistics? And you make a choice based on where you are then. So that is the hack, to worry about where you are every two weeks, make decisions accordingly, and don't worry about it in between. Love it. And that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. For questions or comments, email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already. Thank you to the incredible Dolores Huerta for joining us today. Go to DoloresHuerta.org for more information about her 90th birthday celebration or you can find the information at happierinhollywood.com. Also, you can follow Dolores on Instagram at Dolores Huerta. Thank you to our executive producer, the amazing Chuck Reed, and everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. 
Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Listen to the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, Do the Thing with Whole30's Melissa Urban, and Everything Happens. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at sfain and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Oh, my God, Sarah. Dolores is just amazing. Yeah, she's incredible. And talking to her, I remembered, you know, she talked about the great boycott, which ended actually before we were born. Uh But I remember my mom, you know, the staunch feminist and activist that was my mother. When I was a kid, she was really finicky about like what grapes she would buy and what grapes she wouldn't buy. Uh And I didn't understand it until like now, as we've been talking to Dolores, I suddenly realized like, oh, my God, that was like my mom being an activist. Oh, my God. That's awesome. I know. From the Onward Project.